The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com, or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Clint Harrison. I'm the campus pastor here at Grace Oviedo. Super excited about our new series in the Advent season. And so I want to start out with, there's a guy who, we lived in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a worship pastor at a church called Sojourn. A fairly large church, multi-campus. And so he was the worship pastor there. They probably had five to 10,000 people. Um, And so he wrote a book called Recapturing the Wonder. And in that book, at the very beginning of the book, he talked about this idea of recapturing the wonder. And so this is what, this is his story. He was on vacation uh, away from his church and his dad, who, uh, just to give you a little backdrop on his dad, his dad was an engineer, uh, incredibly logical, thinks things through, point A, makes sense to get to point B, everything is logical in his life, and he said he was just a very sturdy leader. Some of you are laughing because you are engineers. But uh, anyways, he's a great leader. He could think clearly about things. And so he said his dad invited him to his church that he had been attending. He lived somewhere else. He was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll come. No, no, no big deal. We'll, we'll check it out. He's like, I really want you to hear your thoughts on, on the service and everything because I know this is what you do, son. <laughs> so I'd love for you to come. So he goes, and it was a mega church. And when I say mega church, I'm talking 20,000 plus people. And so he got there and he, he said it was like walking into like a stadium, just seats everywhere. He said the stage was ginormous. He said it's the biggest stage he had ever seen. They get in the service. He said he noticed all the lights were off and the worship band started to play. And he said as the song began to build, all of a sudden this light started to shine through in the back. It was just a, just a glimmer at this point. And he, he started to notice it. And then as the pace and the tempo picked up in the song, he said it got brighter and brighter. And he said about three-fourths of the way into the song, he realized what the image was. And he said it was this just gigantic cross. And he said it was so big. He said, I have no idea. He said probably 100 feet high, you know, 40 to 50 feet wide. He said it was huge. And it was so big and so bright that by the end of the song, at the climax of the song, he said the the cross was so bright that it literally blinded his eyes. He couldn't look at it. He was like, oh my gosh, like he was doing this during worship. It was so bright that he had to close his eyes. And he was like, my gosh. And he said the service went on. The guy got up and preached. They finished out the worship set and the service was over. And he said his dad looked at him and he said, so what'd you think? And he was like, I mean, I'm a worship pastor, you know, he's like, it was good, I guess. You know, there's a lot going on, but it was good. You know, he goes, no, no, no. What'd you think about the light? And he's sitting there going like, what are you talking about? And he goes, do you think it was real? And he's sitting there going like, dad, what are you talking about? And he goes, son, I mean, what was that God? I mean, it was so bright. And he said he was sitting there going like, my dad's lost it, right? And he said he got in the car, he started driving, and he was thinking and reeling over the conversation he had with his dad. He was sitting there thinking, my dad's an engineer, like, 
Surely he thought, you know, these are just lights. They put them up and then they got brighter and then they turned them up as the sound got louder and louder. And he said, all of a sudden it just hit him. In the middle of the car, he was driving and he was like, oh. And he said he felt like God was saying, don't you see? Your dad has come expecting that I would move, expecting that I would do something great. And you're over here thinking, no way it could have been me. Like, no way it could have been God. It was a light. You light it up. You turn it up. And that's just is what it is. And he said he started to think about his life. And he started to think, man, you know, like, I'm going through this routine as a worship pastor. And he said, I get up every Sunday, and I worship, and I lead people in worship. And he said, you know what I left out? The awe of God. The wonder of God. Like all of a sudden I realized that, yeah, I read my Bible. I'm in no gross sin. I pray every day, but I was not expecting at all that God would show up on this Sunday in this service and move in my life. He's like, that was gone. And so I began to reflect and to sit before God and say, God, what are you doing in my life? Why and how have I missed you? How have I missed that you're at work? and that you're moving, and that I would come to, this is the theme, right, of our series, to expect the unexpected. I mean, is that you today? Have you, have you shown up even this morning and gone, yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll have a service, it'll be good, I'll go home, we'll laugh, we'll talk, we'll have a good time as a family, but I don't really expect God to move in my life. I don't really expect for God to change my marriage. I don't really expect for God to change my situation or maybe my outlook of my situation because I've been doing it this way for so long. He's saying, hey, 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 I'm here I'm working. And it's the same thing. I mean, think about this. We're talking about recapturing the wonder of God. The Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would come one day, right? And then when he came, what did they do? They missed him. They didn't expect him to come in this way, right? What did they expect? They expected him to be a political king, right? A military hero, Right? They expected him to come and to do all of the things that they never expected him to do. What did he come as? He came unattractive, poor, right? A carpenter preaching a backwards gospel. And they're going, oh, who's this guy? I didn't expect him. You're saying he's the coming Messiah? No, 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 no. It's not him. It's somebody else. And to this day, Jews are still saying it's somebody else on a lot of them. Messianic Jews know, but Jewish Judaism, they're, they're saying this isn't the guy. Can you relate though? I mean, have you ever felt disillusioned by God because he didn't act the way you thought he should? Or we all approach God with preconceived notions about who he is and how he apt to act in our lives. And so during the season, during the series, we're talking to talk about these popular held beliefs we're going to deconstruct them and we're going to look at who he really is and what he's really done and why he's come. And so we're going to be doing that in Isaiah chapter 9. And the hope is, is that we will start to expect the unexpected from God. So we'll be in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. So I want, to see, want you to see the breakdown. We're going to be looking at the different titles of God in this passage each week. So week one, which is today, we, we're going to be talking about a wonderful counselor. Week two, 
mighty God. Week three, everlasting father. And then the final week is going to be prince of peace. And so that's going to be our Advent series. But I want to give you a, a decent amount of context in Isaiah before we jump into the book. So that we don't just jump in and here's a verse and go to it. Now let's get some context. So the book of Isaiah is about judgment and hope. Isaiah, who is a prophet, warns Jerusalem and he says, hey, listen, Jerusalem, people of God, if you don't come back to God, if you don't repent, and if you continue to fail to keep the covenant with God, it's gonna be bad news for you. Specifically, the surrounding nations are gonna overtake you. Assyria and Babylon. They are gonna take you out. But as we go through the book of Isaiah, we get to chapter six, which is a super, super famous chapter, and we begin to see this glimmer of hope. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's this picture where they're literally disobeying, they're failing to keep their covenant. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah, King Uzziah was a king for 52 years. He started at age 16. He was co-regent with his dad for 24 years. He was this bedrock. He was this foundation. As long as the king was a king, everything was okay. We're secure. Everyone knows he's in charge. Everything's fine with our area and our people. And then King Uzziah died. And it's this moment where the entire nation is going, oh no, what's gonna happen around us? Who's gonna get us? We're not safe anymore. And what does it say? Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that it made the most sense to be anxious, in the year that it made the most sense to have fear, in the year that everything is about to fall apart, I saw the Lord. High and lifted up, holy, his train filled the room. And he begins to talk about how God was present, how he was there. But there's something really special that happened in this moment. It's this picture of this burning coal. And the burning coal comes down to Isaiah. And what seems like would wipe him out, would bring damnation, would take him clean out. What does it do? He touches the coal and it purifies him. It cleanses Isaiah. He confesses that he's a sinner, and then he's cleansed. It's a picture of hope for the people of God. What is it saying? It's saying, hey, listen, you can't rely on your nationality. You can't rely on your mother or father. You can't rely on your nation. I know you're the people of God, but you specifically, you, Isaiah, everyone around you, you have to repent personally and turn to the Lord. And if you repent, if you confess and turn to the Lord, you will be forgiven, you'll be set free, and you will be cleansed. It's this glimmer of hope for the people of God. And so then we get to chapter seven and eight, and it speaks of a point of decision for the people of Judah. So let me explain this. So we got the people of God, we'll call them Israel, right? Like Years ago in America, we had a civil war. We had the North versus the South, right? Pretend for a minute that in the civil war, we didn't reconcile at all. And so we, instead of being North and South and we're still all America, no, no, now there's the North kingdom and the Southern kingdom. 
There's all of a sudden two different nations, so to speak, because they never reconciled over this war. In the same way, God's people, the Israelites, they, they literally got into a civil war, so to speak, and then they split kingdoms called the Northern Kingdom, which is still Israel, and then the Southern Kingdom, which is called Judah. That's the passage where we get today in chapter nine. He's speaking to the Southern Kingdom the people of Judah. So in chapter eight, it shows a remnant that cling to God, not sin to provide answers. They have a different outlook on life. It enabled them to walk through the hard times and remain hopeful. But the people of Judah had this decision to make. Are we gonna trust God? Are we gonna trust in his promises and look to him to answer everything in our life? Or are we gonna look elsewhere and have destruction fall on us? That's what Isaiah has come and prophesied. So in chapter nine, Isaiah is speaking to the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, before the Babylonian exile. And so picture this, Judah's here, Israel and Syria are saying, hey, listen, you need to come and be with us and align with us because we need to fight our enemy, Assyria. At the same time, Judah's here and Assyria's here. They're growing bigger and more powerful and they are this nation that everyone is afraid of. So Judah goes, man, if we join them, we're gonna get hit first and it's gonna be over for us. So what are we gonna do? King Ahaz, who is the king at Judah at this moment, decides, you know what? I'm gonna send a ransom to Assyria. We're gonna line up with them because we don't wanna die because we want safety because we wanna be okay. So they go contrary to what God wants and they align with Assyria. And in the midst of all of this, Isaiah prophesies. He speaks into their situation. Think about this. Where Judah felt powerless, where Judah felt like they were afraid of the rulers of the north and Assyria and everyone around them, what happens? They're, they're questioning God and they're going, God, are you with us? Are you for us? Are you against us? Are you just not there? What are you doing, God? And they're questioning all of these things. And in the midst of these things, Isaiah prophesies twice about a child to come. Chapter seven, verse 14, which many of you are aware of, a child would be born named Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then the second one, which is where our passage is today. Chapter nine, let's read. Verse six, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now I want you to think about this announcement. Have any of you ever received a birth announcement prior to the birth of a child? It's interesting, right? 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, Isaiah announces a coming one, that a child will be born. That's crazy. There's this Judah, these people who are anxious, they're starving, they're looking for help. And what, is it, what does he do? He announces a child's birth. Now we know it's Jesus now. But back then, they're going, well, who is it? I mean, wh where, where is he? Who's the guy? Who's the child? Who's our king? Who's the person gonna be? And so they thought, many of them thought it was Hezekiah, the coming king who would help them. But Isaiah was talking about someone greater. He wasn't talking about Isaiah, I mean, Hezekiah like we know. We know it's Jesus, but they didn't. 
Then he says this, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Again, 700 years prior to his actual birth. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. This child has yet to be born, but he will take care of the world. He will literally bear the burdens of the people's sins on his shoulders. He will release us from the destruction of Satan, from our own calamity, from our own sin, from our own guilt, from our own shame. He's come and he's announcing him 700 years prior to. Talk about unexpected. They expected a military king, one who would destroy Assyria. What they didn't know is that the king would come to die, right? And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful is used a good bit in the Old Testament, and it means miraculous or supernatural. There's one who will be born, who will have all power and authority that you have no idea. What you're expecting is not what you're going to get. It's so much better. But not only that, his name shall be called Wonderful or Miraculous or Supernatural Counselor. It, it, it's often used in the Exodus, you know, when God parts the Red Sea, when God sends the plagues, when God does all these supernatural things, and it says that was wonderful. That was supernatural. This coming one, this, this child to be born, is a supernatural counselor. This is the hope these people needed. It is. In the darkness, there's one who would come and have infinite wisdom. If you would trust him, if you would turn to him, he'll direct you in the way that you need to go, right? He will give insight beyond your years, beyond your situation. We see this all throughout the New Testament with Jesus. Think about it. When it comes to the Sermon on the Mount, he says all these things where you're like, huh? It almost feels counterintuitive. You're like, really, Jesus? Is that really what you mean? And then all of a sudden, when you realize what it is, when you see it with spiritual eyes, you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's supernatural counseling. Think about it. When people were around Jesus, what happened? Their hearts would burn because it was a miraculous wisdom. Even the, the Pharisees went around him and they said, we've never heard anything like this. The people were going, who is this Jesus? Who's this one that speaks with authority different from the Pharisees, different from the religious leaders? Who is this guy, this wonderful, supernatural counselor, right? He taught with authority and clarity and they recognized it. So I, I want to flesh out this idea of supernatural counseling, and I, and I want to make it practical. I want to talk about my own life. So I, uh, I went to seminary, got my master's. I almost majored, almost got my master's in counseling. I took a lot of counseling classes at, uh, at Southern where I went so much so that I almost hit into it. And then I was like, you know what? I need more over here being a pastor. And so I could have minored in it almost, but I ended up switching at the last second and just saying, okay, let's, let's go back to this, preaching, books, Bible, all that kind of stuff. But I love counseling. I think it's super important. But here's the thing. When it comes to me, ah, right? I mean, I got it, you know? I, I, I counsel other people. I help other people. I'm all right right? I mean, do I really need that? And maybe you're like me. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know it's value. Oh yeah, they need it, right? <laughs> Them over there. They're, they're, yes, they absolutely need wisdom. They need some help in directing their lives and all of that, right? 
And so Gene and I have been married uh, 13 years. And there was a couple of times, this is recent, where she said, hey, I think we need like outside advice. I think we need counseling. And I was like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Yeah, whatever you think. But I was sitting there in the back of my mind going like, nah, all right, I'm all right. We're good. Everything's fine. And so particularly, so I'm going to divulge a little bit. Uh, So particularly one of our daughters had been having issues. She had been having um, just anger issues and anxiety. And it was, it was this point where we were going like, is this normal? We're asking around and some people were like, oh yeah, super normal. You know, like no big deal. And then some people were like, ah, maybe, you know, like you should just continue to pray about it. So we sought counsel. We talked to people about it. And so finally I was like, all right, honey, like why don't, why don't we go see someone and just hear a different perspective? And so we started going to counseling, I don't know, two months ago two and a half months ago. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie. Like first time I went in, we met, went, met, went and met with this person. And I was like, it's going to be okay. You know, like I'm, they're going to tell me everything I already know. You know, like, like literally I'm just being honest. I was thinking these things going into the meeting. We got done with the meeting. It was just me and my wife talking about one of our kids. And when we got done with the meeting, she said, well, what do y'all want to do? And I said, to my wife's complete surprise, I said, I want to meet again. And I'd love to talk about other things as well. I really enjoyed this. I was really thankful for this. And so like we have met three or four times and our daughter had met with someone a couple times. Our daughter stopped. We saw this, in all honesty, a miraculous change. It was somebody in our community group who actually said the same thing on the same day that our counselor said. And we were like, boom, that's it. And it wasn't like the turnkey, everything's great, but it was a game changer for our daughter. And in the midst of all of this, I've gone and said, hey, I think we should continue. This has been great. It's, help, it's helpful for me to talk about things and process things. So I'm saying that if you're the type of person who says, man, I've got it all together and everything's really okay. It's not that our lives were falling apart. It's not that we're living craziness. No, 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 no. It's just helpful. In, in this miraculous way, God is just continuing to pour and to move in our lives. And I would say if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I've got all these issues in my life and you're uncomfortable with saying, hey, I need help, whether it's a friend or a neighbor, or a believer, or this group that you're in, or it's a professional counselor, whatever it is, I was that guy. And I don't even like talking about it on stage, right? But I think that's normal, because we want to be self-sufficient, because we want to say we've got it all right. We got it together. I don't need you, right? I'm enough. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 I've come to literally supernaturally change your life. If you would be willing and open yourself to say, I need help. My life doesn't have to be falling apart, but maybe it is, right? I need help. Louis Giglio said it this way, it's okay to not be okay. Even as a believer, it's okay not to be okay. And God's saying, I want to move in your life. Would you open up and say, I need help. Honey, I need help. Honey, I'm open to saying, I don't have it all together. So I'm saying to you as your pastor, I don't have it all together. And that's okay. And you don't have it all together, even though you think you do at times, right? (laughs) 
So with this idea of expect the unexpected, okay? How many of you have come to the place where you think you don't need help? Or if you did seek it, nothing would change. Do you expect God to speak and counsel you through his word, through the Holy Spirit in the park, through someone else, or through a professional? But I want you to hear this. It's not just the content, but the result of his wisdom that's supernatural. I can't tell you how many times I've met with someone Let's say it's a couple and they're coming in for marriage. I'll give you an example in a minute. But I can't tell you how many times they've said, hey, can we meet? Or if it's an individual, hey, can I meet? And we go and we talk and it's supposed to be about X. It's supposed to be about money. It's supposed to be about whatever it is, conflict. It's supposed to be about my job or the situation. You know what happens? They end up coming to know Jesus. And it's not what they expected. They're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need a couple of practical tips over here. And then all of a sudden we're on the ground, we're praying together and God is moving in their hearts and he literally changes their entire lives for eternity. It's that supernatural wisdom. Maybe you're a part of that. I mean, I can think of this guy who I met with. We were meeting with them, doing marriage counseling. And in the midst of this, I started reading the rich young ruler. And I said, what do you think about this? And he goes, I'm that guy. And I was like, what's going on, right? Okay, you're that guy, what does that mean? He's like, I'm that guy, I don't know Jesus and I need a relationship with Jesus. And his entire life has changed, right? That's what Jesus does. He has this supernatural counseling where you come in and you're expecting something. He goes, no, no, I got something so much better for you in this life. Would you come to me? Would you open yourself up? Would you say, I need Jesus? There's been so many times that has happened. Who in here needs God to do a miraculous work in your life? I mean, expect the unexpected, right? Would you seek the wonderful counselor? Would you come to him in a different way this time and say, God, I'm open Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to wreck in my life, whatever you want to shape in my mind, I'm available and listening to you. I want to expect the unexpected in my life. I want to see you the way I should see you. Will you believe that today? Will you go to God today? So that's that's the message. That's what I have for you today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to close a little differently today. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you love us, that you care about us, and that you sent your son to die for us. God, I pray that everyone in this room who feels like it's not okay to not be okay, God, that they would just let it go. They would lay it down and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm open, I'm listening. And I want to follow you with all of my heart. God, will we begin to expect the unexpected in our lives, God? So I pray this over our people. I pray that we would, in this season, in this Advent season, that we come and expect you to move in ways that we never even imagined. Jesus, thank you. We love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen.